This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. Who could it possibly be while we're all staying safer at home? Why, it's my partner in this podcast and my wife, Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello, I'm safer at home. (laughs) You are. (laughs) What if people just kept that as a greeting? Like if you're (laughs) hosting a late night show and like, hello, I'm so-and-so and I'm safer at home. Right? I kind of like it. What if they weren't at home when they said it, though? Would it feel Then they're lying. Liars. <laughs> Just dirty liars. Nobody likes a dirty liar. That's the message of today's podcast. Nobody likes a dirty liar. Anyway, we're not lying. We are in our home. Mm-hmm. And I feel safe. I feel safe. <laughs> Good. Emotionally, physically, I feel safe. Mm-hmm. The more I talk about it, it seems like maybe I'm lying. But I do. <laughs> I do feel safe. Anyway, uh, we've been doing a lot of fun episodes, you and I. This week, I wanted to talk about something that I am quite legitimately obsessed uh, with. Uh, I think you are uh, intrigued, interested, a Mm -hmm. fan. We'll Mm -hmm. see if obsessed is the right word. It's also something that we have talked about before on the podcast very, very early on. We had a great live show about this topic, uh, but it's been on our minds. So we're going to talk about Bond James Bond. We're going to talk about the books and the movies and the general zeitgeist and all of it. Part of the reason that it's been on uh, my mind is because, of course, the uh, latest movie, No Time to Die, was supposed to come out, and then it didn't. And I got a weird alert because when we uh, buy tickets to the movies, uh, for some reason, somehow, it gets into my Google Calendar, and uh, I just got an alert one night. It's like, remember, right now, is no time to die. I'm like, well, thanks. That That's always a good message, but extra creepy during a global pandemic. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I guess. Thank you, Google Calendar. Over Do you want to give that to me daily? <laughs> yes. Please tell me that every day at exactly 7.30 is no time to die. That's what I, I need to be immortal, I think. Yeah, I, it just gets sinister real fast. <laughs> <laughs> it gets sinister real fast. That could be a very good James Bond movie title. It gets sinister fast, <laughs> Mr. Bond. Uh, so we're going to dive right in. We have so many things to talk about with uh, with James Bond. I do consider myself uh, uh, obsessed uh, with the books, uh, particularly the uh, original Ian Fleming novels, and uh, obsessed with uh, the movies. Where would you put yourself? Would you call yourself obsessed with James Bond? Mm. No. Uh, I think I would put myself... I like... You used the word intrigued earlier. Okay. And I feel like that's actually a pretty good description because I I am intrigued. There's parts of it I really like and there's parts of it that I'm like, why am I... But I want to keep watching this, but why? Okay. So I, I don't know. I kind of feel like we'll see where this podcast t- takes us. I may have a different answer by the end. But for right now, I'm going to stick with intrigued. Okay. So intrigued, intrigued, that makes perfect sense. And I think that there's probably some stuff that you and I have discussed in our, in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I might learn a little bit about your James Bond in- intriguing feelings. <laughs> uh, and we'll definitely dig into kind of the, the beginning of our James Bond experiences. But before we do that, uh, I have some some house uh, cleaning. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, we have some lovely martinis that you've made us. Uh, <laughs> okay, I love if having martinis is house cleaning. Please? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> in terms of hosting a show that's... 
I have some topics on my uh, some caveats. <laughs> I wanted to introduce the martini, uh, mm-hmm. partially because I wanted to take a sip, and I realized that I have not actually taken a sip yet, nor have we cheers. So no. perhaps we could cheers. Uh, you are having some coaster issues, but here we go. Yeah, here we go. Being intrigued. Mmm. Mmm. Tastes like James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> It's a gin martini, uh, to be fair. Not not a vodka martini. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, the other uh, bit of uh, uh, house cleaning that I want to do, housekeeping. There we go. That's the thing I was looking for, housekeeping. Uh, I want to have a caveat. Mm-hmm. I love James Bond. I'm intrigued <laughs> and obsessed. Uh, I am well aware that a huge, huge amount of James Bond is sexist and or racist. Uh, and it is something that I try to be very conscious of. When I'd say, I love something to be aware that, yep, there's a lot of the content that I have to wrestle with uh, that I was aware was, you know, problematic from the first time I ever read or saw it, but uh, continue to reexamine its impact on me and its impact on culture culture, and have that awareness while also not just entirely throwing the thing out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think so. That makes sense to me. <laughs> okay. Thank you for helping me keep the house on that one. Yeah. Can I throw in a housekeeping thing? Please, yes. As the person who made the martinis, I also feel a need to say that they were stirred, not shaken. <laughs> and that is just fine. As martinis should be, <laughs> in my opinion. You are, so you're fighting with uh, with Ian Fleming? Well, I think, I think a lot of bartenders would fight with Ian Fleming on that I, one. I think a lot of uh, bartenders did fight with Ian Fleming about probably many things, mm-hmm. <laughs> as we'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> He's an interesting fellow, that Ian Fleming. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, my last bit of uh, housekeeping. This is uh, kind of a game and housekeeping at the same time. If you are willing, I would like to play the memory game. <laughs> So you and I have watched, I believe, almost all, if not all, of the James Bond movies together. Certainly some yeah. we've watched multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have this, uh, I think, very relatable thing that is also extremely charming to me, is that you remember the Bond movies only by one specific thing. Like, I'll say, hey, should we watch this Pierce Brosnan movie? And you'll say, is that the Ice Hotel one? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, sometimes it's like, yeah, that's a perfectly fine way to remember Die Another Day because that's like all of the marketing. Every image of Die, Die Another Day is like icy and frozen over like that. They really leave with that. But sometimes you're like, is that the one where there's <laughs> a, a nice gentleman and there's some <laughs> trash? Like, what the hell are you talking about? Sometimes I don't know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Or someone's underwater. <laughs> yeah. Or the ones that don't narrow it down much <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll try. We'll see what I can even remember right now because some of these it's been a while. Okay, we will keep this short. We'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, kind of speed, right? Okay. All right. Well, well, that that's what I say now, but but I'm probably lying. Anyway, uh, we're gonna go through all of the films uh-huh. in release order, and you tell me what you think that one is. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Just like if we were trying to pick one to watch at home. Yeah. Which is where we are. Where we're safer. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Doctor No. I don't remember right now. Do you it's rem- the first one. It's the first one. Yeah. Do you remember that you have physically been in a place that Dr. No was filmed? No. <laughs> this is so great. We get to relive our life together. Uh, we were at the spot uh, when we were, went on the first, first uh, Joko cruise, 
We were at the spot where Ursula Andress comes out of the water. Right. This is, this is, yes. Yes. This is the Jamaica one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember if they say they're in Jamaica, but it was filmed in Jamaica. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. So that I'll, is. I'll call this the Ursula Andress one. Th- that would be quite accurate since that's the one that she's in. <laughs> uh, then you have From Rush with Love. Yes. This is the cello sliding down the hill one. No, it is not. Oh, darn it. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's super, super not. I thought I, I, um, <laughs> um, you can say not. pass, pass. Okay. Gosh. Uh, well, let me see if I can try to uh, remind you. Okay, uh, this give, is, this give one's, me a hint. uh, train fight. Okay. There yeah. are more than, more than one train fight, but brutal Sean Connery train fight. Does this one have the, um, the lady with the knife in her shoe? Yes. Okay. Rosa Klepp. Yes. 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 The lady with the knife in her shoe. Those are the kind of turns of phrase that I'm really delighted by. This James Bond movie is called Lady with the Knife in Her Shoe. Then I would know at least one thing that happens in the movie. <laughs> uh, next up is Goldfinger. There's gold. No, this one actually I do. This one has Fort Knox. It has the whole laser scene. It has um, the person um, <laughs> covered in gold. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, then Thunderball. Yeah. <laughs> but the title is so descriptive and specific. Do you I, not remember the balls of thunder? I always feel like this one should t- r- take place at a racetrack. <laughs> Just because that sounds like the name of a horse? No, like a, a car racetrack. Okay. Like, I feel like there should Ooh, be cars yeah. racing. Is that because there was a car racing movie called Days of Thunder? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I never saw that movie. I don't think I did either. Yep. Okay. Okay. I wish it was called Days of Thunderballs. Yeah. Um, or you Balls know what? of Thunder Days. <laughs> so I think Tom this... Cruise's balls. Anyway. <laughs> Tom Cruise is not in this one. He is not. I know that. So I think that this one, there's a scene that I remember often that I have a hard time attaching to a movie. Okay. And it might be this one where there are... There's like an underwater restaurant, and then you see people people with scuba deer, gear um, swimming. No. No. Is no. that Dr. Now? No. No. Oh, no. Yes. They, they, do, they do have uh, an underwater dinner. Yeah. And then Dr. are there now. also people, like there's a shot of um, people <laughs> in scuba deer, gear, like a few of them. I mean, I know that happens in quite a few of them, but is it close to the restaurant scene? It, it, there's not a restaurant scene. It is a hostage scene where they happen to be eating dinner. Uh, oh. So it's not like a casual dining scene. Okay. Yeah. In Doctor. I know what we're doing tonight. We're rewatching Doctor Now <laughs> from Russia with Love. As soon as we put on From Russia with Love, you'll be like, oh, that one. Anyway, uh, so we're going to move on. Uh, Thunderball is the underwater one. It's the original okay. underwater one where a ton of stuff happens underwater, where there's a huge climactic scene with lots of harpoon shooting yes yes so i think i might be thinking of that one yeah yeah Yeah. here is my my problem i can give you images but i don't have them tied to titles yeah yeah that's what part of what's making this so much fun thank you for doing it is this the volcano one uh no no that's a that's a roger moore one maybe (laughs) no the next film is okay you only live twice what does that one mean to you It's the volcano one you just mentioned. Is it? Yeah, it's the one where the hidden base is inside a volcano. Inside and the, yeah. There's and the they, massive amount of people rappelling down into the... 
Yeah, and they go around in the little um, like train-like thing inside the extinct volcano, which is actually a lab now. Yeah. <laughs> I would call it a lair, but yeah, a lair. A, there, there's a lab-like aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yes. yes. I'm sorry, what's that one called? Uh, that is called You Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice because the tr- the uh, volcano gets two lives. <laughs> once as a volcano and once as, as a, a lab. <laughs> or a lair. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yes. This is the one that um, is, gosh, my brain is going to forget everything we right now. We both had a really long day. It's, um, yeah. So this is the other bond. <laughs> <laughs> the first time there's been another the actor other than Sean yes, Connery. Yes. And this one goes to uh, Pere La Gloria. Yeah. No, that's not the right name. But it goes to the restaurant on top of the mountain yeah. in Switzerland that they, yes. I believe, built for this. No. No, they did not build for this. But I have been there and I remember being there. <laughs> there you go. You're up to two places. Ding! Yes. Uh, um, and there's also some skiing. Yeah. And some chaleting. Yeah. And this is also... Is this also the one where he gets married at the end? Yeah. Yeah. This one has made a lot of impacts on me. And yes. it's a little easier to define. It is absolutely because it's the George Lazenby one. That's it is name. tonally very, very different. It mm-hmm. is the one where suddenly they're like, what if we try being even closer to uh, Fleming's novels? And it still, uh, you know, diverges a lot. But that idea of he can he can be married, he can be hurt, you know, mm-hmm. was a huge risk that, um, uh, depending on who you asked, uh, it pays off or not. Um, it didn't pay off at the box office at the time, but it is one of my very favorites. Anyway, um, this one is also special because uh, it has a song we have all the time in the world, mm-hmm. uh, Louis Armstrong, which I like very much. Uh, I think I had floated it, it is possibly including it uh, in our wedding it, it, in our wedding in some way. It had come up that it might be included. I can't remember if it was just on like the the CD mix that we had made for people. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember you heard the song and thought it was a beautiful, lovely song. And then I had in my mind uh, this song playing in, in relationship to our wedding in any way. And all of my fellow James Bond nerds at the wedding going, Oh my God, that's the wife dies song. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't let that happen without saying, just so you know, this is the context of that song. Yeah. Cause I hadn't seen that movie at that point. Or yeah. if I had, I'd been like a little kid or something. And I didn't want to spoil it for you, but I just like, I have to. Yeah. Cause I think I was pretty, uh, insistent like what this is a great song we should absolutely like have this be you know one of the songs we dance to like early on in the dance mix type thing yeah and it's not even like kind of close irony wise it's totally directly on the nose we have all the time in the world because they don't yeah because she dies it's terrible not good to play at your wedding no no no. so lots of reasons for you to remember on her majesty's secret service including it has the other bond (laughs) A.K.A. George Lazenby. George Lazenby. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You Um, can always just say pass if you've got nothing. Well, I mean, pretty soon here we've got to be getting to the... No, no, it's Roger Moore. Okay. Um, I remember the intro song. The intro song. Hello, Sarah. What are those called? The main song. The song that's made for it. The main song. The 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 theme. Yes, the the theme. That's the word. Oh, you remember how it goes? Yeah. Do you want to give us a little sample? No. Okay, you pass on that. Fair enough. Uh, are you ready to move on? You, see, yeah, I've, I, can you give me a hint? 
On Diamonds Are Forever? Yeah. It is uh, Sean Connery's last film. It is a little bit more over the top. Uh, he fights uh, two uh, very gymnastic women. Yes. It's, he goes to Vegas. Is this... The... I'm going to say the one and you're going to laugh, but I think you will know what I mean. Um, maybe. There's a scene he's like in a clinic or something early on. He goes around the corner and the nurse basically like sees him and starts having sex with him. That's Thunderball. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 That's okay. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Because I remember because you're like, come on. Yeah. That's one of the times you've gone like, ah, come on. Yeah. yeah. Which is totally understandable. Yeah. Because come on. But also there are many movies where he goes around the corner and then suddenly has sex. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch out for those corners. All right. Uh, so next up, uh-huh. Live and Let Die. Uh, Roger Moore. Yeah. <laughs> This is the only James Bond film with Roger Moore. Not true. (laughs) So Live and Let Die is um, the one with Jane Seymour. Yes. Yeah. And they're in both um, somewhere in the Caribbean. I'm not going to remember where. And also in Harlem. Yes. 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 She's solitary. Yes. Yes. Has many objectionable things in it. It is uh, very much a film uh, riffing on uh, black exploitation films and uh, of its time. Yes. 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 <laughs> and that's uh, not uh, to just let it go by saying it's of its time. But anyway, uh, moving on. The Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, no. <laughs> you got nothing? <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, so I'm going to read the title again. The Man with the Golden Gun. I mean, it implies there's a man with a golden gun. Do you remember the golden gun or the man? No. Uh, he has also appeared in Star Wars, The Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> oh, sometimes I wish that uh, they actually did film this podcast. How your eyes went so big. Um, I mean, I can name people who have been okay. in Star Wars, but Yo- in Star Wars, uh-huh. Yoda has a lightsaber fight with the Man with the Golden Gun. I can picture the fight. <laughs> Uh, do, I, I can let this go. I will let this go. Do you want me to let this go? Do you want to say pass? Um, I want you to tell me the answer. Yeah, Christopher Lee plays okay. uh, Scaramanga, yes, 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 the yes. man with the golden yes, gun. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Many people remember this one by, this is the one where Roger Moore pretends to have a third nipple. Oh, right. I wouldn't <laughs> have remembered it by that one, but okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on. The Spy yeah. Who Loved Me. <laughs> Are we to cello territory yet? It, it, no? we're, we got a little way to go to cello. We we're do. so close to cello. Yeah, You'll okay. recognize cello when we get there, I'm sure. Uh, um, but yeah. you, you can just say pass. It's I, fine. I don't... Yeah, like I... This is another one where they are having dinner underwater. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the other one, though, because it's a pretty early one. And here's why I specifically remember that scene and also have weird memories of that scene, is I, I did see that one when I was fairly young. Like, okay. Not like three, but probably like seven or eight. Yeah. And... Um, so it had to be one of the older ones because it would have been, I think, I mean, it would have been on TV for me to see it. Yeah, but this one is an older one. This one, came, well, yes, this one came yeah. out the same year as Star Wars. So, uh, Oh, good point. Yeah. So mm, th- maybe. this one, uh, he has, he meets the, uh, uh, he, he has to work with the uh, Russian operative who is kind of his equal is how they're trying to play it. Uh, and this is the one where the bad guy is obsessed with uh, water and fish and thinks that, you know, the underwater life has the right to live. And he that's kind of his evil uh, motivation. It's also the one with Jaws and the uh, Egyptian pyramids. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. That was a perfect illustration of the, the some of the image images stick with you. And I, yes. I, I got the one that stuck with you. Yeah. But this is a different one from where the um, the shark. Um, yes, that's a different one. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, yes, the Egyptian pyramids. Egyptian. That's the and Egyptian pyramid one, one. The Spy Who Loved Me. Okay. <laughs> Next up, Moonraker. Moonraker. They try to go to the moon. There's a rocket. <laughs> or they have a rocket. They're trying to do sci-fi. I yeah. mean, I have I have specific. It's all rocket-based imagery. It is. It yeah. is. It's totally like a hey, Star Wars came out, and this is the next movie we're making, and we're gonna James Bond goes to space. They, yeah. They're not specifically trying to go to the moon. Moonraker is. They're not actually attempting to rake the moon. It's a misleading title, <laughs> unlike Thunderballs, which has several balls made of thunder. I'm lying. <laughs> Don't know anymore. Uh, yes, yes. But this one I do have very specific because there aren't that many where there are, um, are rockets. In like space, that, in, no. Yeah, that's just not a standard James Bond thing. There's nothing standard about Moonraker. Yeah, whereas the spy who blah, the tomorrow blah, blah are fairly... <laughs> I'm sorry. They're good titles. They just uh, no. Some my of brain them and them repetitive. don't that's always get it. along. That's yeah. all it is. Understandable. Yeah. All right. Uh, for your eyes only. All yes. Right. What do you got? Because I, otherwise, I can help. Uh, I, I help. Uh, the rock climbing scene where he slips. Uh, he and he's he's using he has to use his uh, shoelace to repair his rock climbing gear. It's a mm. uh, he drives a crappy little car as a sort of meta joke. I vaguely remember that. Is this one where somebody goes um, ski jumping off a? Um... At the beginning, in the opening credits, the opening... Uh, that is The Spy Who Loved Me. Which is it, the, the Egyptian pyramid one. Yeah, the famous Union Jack uh, umbrella. Okay. It's from The Spy Who Loved Me, but there is skiing in For Your Eyes Only. Okay. Like a ski chase or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of skiing. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving on, I, I I would be shocked if you got anything for this one. Octopussy. Yeah. Oh, mm, no. <laughs> no. Uh, at one point, James Bond is a clown. Anything? <laughs> I remember that, but okay. I would never tie it to that movie. Uh, the uh, the movie that was made because there was a legal fight over the original uh, creation of Thunderball, Never Say Never Again, this is from 1983, okay. Sean Connery. You got anything? No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> he plays video games and Rowan Atkinson is in it. It's amazing. Uh, a View to a Kill. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't offering you <laughs> a view to a kill. Do you, I, I know that you know some of the imagery from view to kill, so I can just tell you which one, and you'll go, oh, yeah. It's the San Francisco one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. The Living Daylights. The Living Daylights starts in Gibraltar. Yes. <laughs> I got one. You did. And is there anything else that you've been wanting to share since... From is, Rush with Love? Is this the cello one? It's the cello one. Seriously? It is. It's Timothy Dalton? Timothy Dalton is the star of the James Bond movie, The Cello One. The one where they slide down a hill on the cello case. Yes. Nothing to declare called? but a cello. The Living Daylights. The Living Daylights. It's the one that sounds like a soap opera. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, a lot of these do sound... Like a soap <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies is a great soap opera title. It the world is. is not enough. Great soap opera title. True. Moonraker, not a good soap opera title. No. Moving on, License to Kill. 
Yes, this is the other Timothy Dalton one. Yeah. They do not stunt in Gibraltar for this one. No. There's I not think a cello. This, is this the um, Eiffel Tower stunt one? No. no. Uh, that's A View to a Kill. Oh. Wow. Everything's in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I know that there are things that I remember about this one. Is this the big uh, disc one? The big disc? What does that mean? The, um, the satellite disc? No, 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 that's, that's coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I need a, this is the shark one. I think you were referencing earlier where Felix Felix Leiter, it's Felix Leiter's wedding at the beginning. Yes. And then there's the person who has the, the sharks and feeds people to the sharks and then gets (laughs) fed to the sharks. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. It's big Ed (laughs) from Twin Peaks too. So it's extra, extra brutal. Uh, the actor. Anyway, moving on. Goldeneye. Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) And you just said another thing about it. Oh, this is the golden eye. This is the one with the um, the big uh, um, satellite dish. Yeah, the satellite dish. Yes. And this is also the one with the clicky pen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah yes, it is. It is. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. Because this is one that, to me, the title never matches up. Um, and I don't always remember because sometimes it's the things at the beginning that I think of, not the like climactic scenes yeah. at the end. So I think maybe even one of the more recent times we watched this one, I didn't remember until we were fairly like halfway through it that this okay. was the the one with the big satellite dish. But the clicky pen and the um, the Russian who's in the the base, yeah, um, are the things that I remember about this one. That makes that makes sense because it's pretty different for a James Bond movie that we we go to her perspective for a long time and truly get her story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they actually say Goldeneye quite a lot in this film. Unlike some of the like, you know, people don't aren't saying some of the other names. You know, people don't say you only live twice a thousand times and you only live twice. Yeah, but Goldeneye is the name of the weapons project, so people are talking right. about the Goldeneye weapon right constantly. Right, and do we start with the scene that leads to the? Accident, like it starts with the flashback. Yeah, it starts with okay. the big dam uh, jump, the big bungee yep. jump, uh, the dam. Yeah, and then yep. Alec Trevelyan and all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow never dies. This is the media one. <laughs> it is the media one. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, that one I finally got down. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, where yeah, the bad guy is trying to manipulate the world with disinformation, which at the time there you can like find reviews like, man, that's kind of a lame supervillain plot. Is it? Is it? It's a current. <laughs> the present. Uh, next up, the world is not enough. Uh, this is the ice hotel one. No. No. No, it's not. That's die another day. Yes. Yes. The world is not enough. We just watched this. <laughs> um, Do you want me to give you any uh, any hints? This is the one with the, um, what's her name is the nuclear physicist. Yes. Uh, Denise Richards. Denise Richards. And I often think of it as this is the one where um, Robbie Coltrane, Coltrane, yes, um, that he is in it. And there's the big like tree chopping helicopter yes. that um, chops up the dock. Yeah. Like that is the image to me. This those is two. Robbie Coltrane's dock gets messed up by chainsaw helicopter. Yes. But usually I just say like there's a Russian and <laughs> the um, there's somewhere near a boat and something explodes. <laughs> is that this one? And that, that I will that, get. That is usually what I say. That description technically counts for from Rush with Love, so that's <laughs> that's very good too. Uh, die another day. Uh, that is the ice uh, hotel one. The ice hotel one. Yeah, yes. so we, we just watched it. We did just watch, and there's a whole bunch of stuff I'd forgotten happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Casino Royale. This one I remember. We watched it last night. 
and yes. we have a bit of a history with his film. Yes. How yeah. would you, when you think of Casino Royale, what is the descriptor in your mind? Oh, um, oh, that's a really good question. Well, I mean the the um, the high skate high stakes game, yeah. of course, is a big one, um, and the building in Venice is another big one. Okay. Um, sometimes I also remember it as the. Um, uh, would be, it's often the beginning sequences I think that stick in my brain when they're in Madagascar. Yeah, and the um, the person is help my tired brain um, bouncing off of things. The parkour, parkour. Yeah, because I think that was the first time I'd really seen like amazing parkour. Yeah, and you and I, the world. And, yeah, and I remember being blown away by it. Yeah, uh, and then I discovered last night that there's like a whole section of the movie. <laughs> Totally forgotten about um, the section of the palms. I hadn't forgotten, but other parts. So I would describe it as the one where they're playing the casino game. <laughs> and there's parkour, except I might not remember it. So I would say there's okay. the people running up the big tra- crane. So in your mind, Casino Royale is casino parkour. There we go. Another upcoming James Bond film. Quantum of Solace. Yes. So two things. Okay. One, this is the one about water. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. And this is the one where there's the um, the hotel that blows up, which I realize could be set for a lot of them, but I believe it's um, the oxygen tanks. Or maybe yeah, yeah, they, tanks that yeah they they, it's, it's blow a hotel out in the middle of nowhere, and it's got this different power system, which mm-hmm. causes it to explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When James Bond enters, it just explodes automatically because it knows James <laughs> Bond is there. And then, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Anyway, uh, Skyfall. Yes, this is the one where they go to Scotland, and mm-hmm. there's a big fight in an abbey or something like that, um, and M is in it more, and there's complications at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> this is the kind of uh, vagueness that I live for, that there's... <laughs> There's some, uh, what did you say, convolutions? Complications. Complications at the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. And we have reached the, as of now, final released uh, James Bond film, Spectre. What, if anything, do you remember about Spectre? Spectre is the one with the helicopter chase in Mexico City. No! That, is that Skyfall? Um, the Yes, there is a helicopter. You're right. Yes, yes. It begins at a Day of the Dead celebration. Yeah. And, and that culminates in, in Bond uh, fighting in a helicopter. Yeah, that's Spectre, right? Yep. Yep. Yep, that is the one that I have seen the least, but not because I don't like it. Very controversial opinion in the general James Bondosphere, but I enjoy Spectre. Please continue listening, even if you disagree with me. (laughs) It will be okay. All right, that took a little while, but it was incredibly delightful uh, for me. And I think it kind of illustrates that uh, you do obviously like these movies on some level. You've, Mm -hmm. You've watched them all. You retain them all. But I think they there are many similarities between them Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting to see how we all process them differently (laughs) right yeah (laughs) about which one is that so out of them Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite Mm. um yes well no i have a few that are my favorites okay may i start with that please i really like casino royale yeah um and was reminded of that since we just watched it last night i also really like the living daylights yes um. Yes, which I in the past have said is from Russia with Love. But what I meant was <laughs> the Living Daylights. Okay, that's very good to know. Yeah, I, yeah, I. Those two are probably my favorites, and then two in the next category would be um, Goldeneye, mm-hmm. 
and on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Okay, that's in, in, the, that, nice and controversial. Uh, nah, well, uh, maybe the 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 people who don't like on Her Majesty's Secret Service in general are very happy to let you know. But I think a <laughs> lot of people do uh, do enjoy it. But. Uh, I wanted to ask favorite film because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a fun thing uh, for people who who are James Bond fans who would listen to this. Uh, I I increasingly struggle with favorite anything because it, everything is subjective and uh, James Bond in particular. I don't mind if people want to like discuss their favorites because I have favorites. Casino Royale to me is the one that is closest to Fleming's work and and has kind of the most thematic complexity and some of the most amazing action sequences and. Was, uh, such a surprise and all that great stuff. Uh, I love Living Daylights for uh, a lot of the same reasons. Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, GoldenEye just has a really special place in my heart because of exactly when it came out and the attachment to the video game. All these things I could go on and on. Um, but James Bond in particular, when, when I see people just kind of trying to rank which is the best and not having a discussion of um, personal subjective reasons as to why it would be the best Mm -hmm. i always wrestle with that in pop culture but in particular with james bond the movie series by express admission of the people who've been in charge of it for the most part have been absolutely movies of their time that they without shame adjust to whatever's uh, around them like mm-hmm. nobody was trying to hide in 1979 that they sent james bond to space because star wars came out mm-hmm. you know there's a reason that these movies like um they they move with the times there's a reason that casino royale is the way it is is partially because of jason Bourne. proved mm-hmm. that a different kind of spy movie would you know have a different kind of success so they are so so different so to me taking something like you know, the spy who loved me, which is, you know, very much of the 70s, has, you know, one foot in serious James Bond, one foot in utter camp. Uh, Moonraker more so, but, you know, Roger Moore is, it, it take in general, was more interested in light and fun than Roger Moore himself was. So, like, to compare that to, compare, like, uh, Moonraker to Casino Royale is like saying... Here's a burger and here's a taco. What is your favorite pizza? Like they're not. Yeah. To me, that's what Rick gets extra weird about analyzing uh, the best James Bond film. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, no, I absolutely think it makes sense. And I and as much as I those are the ones that speak to me personally, I feel like, yeah, that they are very much of their time. And and also just um, it, I mean, for me, honestly, it depends on the mood. Like there's some, especially of kind of the earlier James Bond that maybe aren't the ones that speak to me on the same way, but I'm, I'm certainly going to be very happy to watch <laughs> Dr. No and find out what happens uh, <laughs> again. I like that one a lot too. And then be able to be like, oh, this is the, this one. Um, and yeah, so I, but I feel like, I mean, I, I am also a person who has a hard time with favorites period yeah. but um just for myself because i there's a because honestly for me um a lot of times there's a thing that i really like about it um and you and i have watched some of the behind the scenes so some of them i find very interesting from that perspective yeah. um and i think maybe that's why some of those opening stunts um especially from kind of a certain era have stuck in my mind like the the um jump off the cliff um the ski jump off the cliff yeah and things like that are like I might not remember which movie that's in and it doesn't necessarily mean I love the whole movie, but I love that scene. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and the behind the scenes makes it even richer, and I think helps contextualize it. I think that's yeah. part part of where I'm coming from too. Of, uh, I know once a piece of art exists, we just absorb it. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, when I have access to the behind the scenes, uh, uh, what what is the artist attempting? And like, so it bugs me when people are like, "Well, Pierce Brosnan couldn't do gritty and, and real." Like, well, he was never asked to do super gritty and real. He was asked to do kitchen sink James Bond, where some parts of it were gritty and personally motivated, and other parts of it were you know utterly outlandish uh, sex quips, and you know. It, that it, it I, I so like watching something from what were the people making it uh, trying to do and did mm-hmm. they do a good job with that yeah yeah I think and this is such there's such a rich history of being able to dive into that question and ask that and and it's what often my understanding is what are the people who are in charge of it trying to do with it not you know at various times the actors who have played James Bond have had more or less say about it what they wanted you know they may not have wanted to be as quippy as they were told they needed to be yes yeah no pierce president we know that pierce Pierce president said that you know yeah pushed for like hey can you give me a a a juicy motivation in almost all of pierce president's uh movies he has some like the character has some personal motivation that would maybe edge the film towards being a little bit more real Mm -hmm. but then the producers also like but we also want outrageous gadgets and uh lots of sex and real dumb jokes (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. Uh, unless you like those kind of jokes, and then you're happy they're there. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, and I will say I do often like the gadgets. The Sometimes gadgets Sometimes that's what fun. I remember are the gadgets. Yes. Yeah, it's, clearly, I don't lean gadget heavy, or I could have reminded you by gadgets. I'm yeah, like, this and, is the one with the alligator boat. Right, and not all of them what I remember, but that is uh, that is one of my approaches to things is the gadgets. Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you, when and where did you first find yourself engaging with James Bond? Uh, well, I remember watching it... Um, part of it on the TV, like I said, when I was fairly young, I'm going to guess eight-ish. Um, and, you know, it was it was on TV and probably my uh, dad had it on because I don't think my mother would have turned it on for <laughs> young Sarah to watch. <laughs> and I don't think I watched all of it. I think I just saw like glimpses. And I knew of James Bond culturally yeah. for a long time, I think, before I actually saw a movie. Um I, and I don't honestly remember which was the first one I saw in a theater. Okay. But you did go see some in the theater. Mm-hmm. Did you go with your with your dad and, uh, and your brother or did you go with friends? I don't remember. Okay. Probably, um, could have, I, you know, I think at least one I, we went as a family or, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, probably, I think I probably usually went with like my family. Yeah, cuz my memory is when when we started dating and uh, uh, I I can't remember. I'm uh, did I sit you down and just go here are all the things I like? <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like I had so much to tell you like I like this, I like this. but my memory is that you're like, "Oh yeah, I don't I I'm not, you know, a huge aficionado, but I like James Bond." Uh-huh. And I remember being like, "Oh cool, that's great." Cuz I would have been totally fine with it if you're like, "Yeah, that's really not for me." And I would have been like, oh, "Okay, I understand." Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I had fond memories of, you know, the ones that I had seen. Okay. And and I and it was a combination because, like, I feel like I had seen. I had. I don't think I'd seen on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but I think I had seen at least one of each of the Bonds because it wasn't like what. There's another Bond. Like, <laughs> how can you know James Bond and not know it was Shane, James uh, Sean Connery? Right. Um, yeah. So. 
Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so it was just a general, you had had... Uh, <laughs> I lived in the world, and therefore I knew James Bond. That's kind yes. of what I'm saying, but that's kind of okay. how I feel about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I could go on and on, so I'm going to keep it short. Yeah. My, my James Bond adventure, obviously, knew James Bond through uh, cultural osmosis. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking back about it, James Bond is one of those weird things that had has always lived in a sort of nerd-adjacent space along with Star Wars and Star Trek and superheroes and comic books. It wasn't quite that. Mm-hmm. So I think I was aware of it because, like, I'd be flipping through my comic book and there'd be an ad for James Bond movie or, you know, a weird gadget or toy or whatever. Uh, or there'd be, like, posters of James Bond. If I saw posters of Star Wars and Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica, there'd always also be a James Bond one. So I think it had this sort of, like, it's kind of related to all the other stuff I love, but it is somehow its own more adult thing. Mm. And I think when I was around 12, we we're going to the um, library and I just decided, I think, I think I thought I would be told that it was too adult for me because mm-hmm. I was certainly not going to be taken to see it in the theater. Uh, so I, I decided I want to know. It's one of the first times I remember thinking, I want to have this cultural knowledge. So I checked out at the library, uh, Goldfinger, Mm. And I remembered uh, it was like a a our neighbor's mom had taken us to the library for some reason. And I remember telling our neighbor's mom, I checked out Goldfinger. I know it's an adult book, but I just want to culturally know what James Bond is about. <laughs> and her just really? being like, the fuck are you talking about, kid? Like, <laughs> I remember emotionally that reaction of like, you don't need to justify that to me. And I kind of don't know what the hell you're talking about, kid. But that was what you said to her. Yes. Oh, more or less. Adorable. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I would like to understand this cultural significance of this. May I check out this book, please? <laughs> and there were some things in the books that I did not understand. Various obscure golfing terms at the beginning <laughs> of the novel Goldfinger. Uh, but I made, we made, made my way through and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, kind of fast forwarding through it, I, I you know, read all the books uh, eventually over the next uh, three or four years. Um, no, less than that. I had read them all by the time I was 14. I had read every Ian Fleming, James Bond. and had There was a continuation series that had started in the early 80s, which is really funny to read now because, like, the first one is in 81, and it's supposed to be a continuation. So James Bond is just supposed to be around 60, and, like, in that one, he's like, he has the best of everything. He has the most advanced VCR player. <laughs> And things La-dee-da. like that. So I had read all the Fleming novels, uh, all the John Gardner novels that had come out up to that point, easily by the time I was 14. And then at that point, uh, we didn't have a, a VCR yet, so I just had to wait for the Sunday night movies. Mm-hmm. And we'd get really excited when they were on, because then I could, I had read the novel, and I'd be like really uh, interested, like, how closely are they going to follow the novel, and, and uh, all that kind of thing. So it was yeah. really fun memories of in, in those cultural days where you, you had things doled out to you and you had new control over them. I didn't, yeah. you know. Did you, how did you react? How did, how did young Joseph react when you watched a movie that you hadn't seen, that you had read the book, and they sometimes are not really that related to the book? I, it, I think probably it was uh, some of the beginning of my, I, I'm going to say on this podcast a thousand times, but in the books, and it started there. I okay. read the books first, and like the big, there's a lot, there was a lot I didn't understand, but like the big emotional swings, uh, and uh, honestly, the grittiness of the books. Like, I liked Roger Moore, but I was like, what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I found out that uh, You Only Live Twice was released, the movie was released before 
uh, the movie On Her Majesty's Secret Service, where in reality, You Only Live Twice, the book is absolutely a direct sequel to the book On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I was like, what is going on in this world? And it, <laughs> it, it is, it's one of those things that there's so many of, of people of my generation who are of the uh, nerd type where like, you just took what you got. Like, yeah. hey, here's here's a Captain America TV movie, but he doesn't have a mask. He's got a bicycle or a motorcycle helmet. Take it and like it, because that's all you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And it was like any idea of like this level of accuracy to the, you know, source material was just like, you take what you get, kid, uh, that I think informs the way I absorb content now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Can I share a thing that you sharing with me about the books, um, I think really impacted my, uh, the way that I watched the films. Yeah. So, um, fairly early on, we were at some point talking about James Bond and you were talking about having read the books, which I have not read. And I think I kind of, you know, like I had watched them and whatever, you know, like when I was 14, 16, whatever ones came out then, but was not diehard and kind of moved on to other things. Um, and didn't necessarily have a strong opinion one way or the other. And I remember you telling me about um, your interpretation from reading the books, or maybe you had read something about Ian Fleming, and the kind of idea behind wanting the best, and that idea that as a spy, you don't know if you will make it until tomorrow. Yeah. So you really try your hardest to get maximum enjoyment um, and have the best experiences now while you can. And I have found that that seeped deep inside my brain um i think in general but also but in particular when i watched the james bond movie so i feel like everything since then i've watched very much with that filter of are they you know do the movies inform this do they not some of the things that maybe at other times would have um annoyed me or been like ah come on you know like just get whatever you know cheap wines on the bottom or you know you know i've i've had my very uh granola moments for lack of a better term for it and so i think i was not so i didn't understand that approach yeah and um and i just hadn't thought about it like that and i think that that was just um an insight from the books that really informed my viewing of the movies yeah it's probably because i go on about it a lot it's one of my uh, favorite things to think and talk about because the book the movies moved fairly quickly away from the books they certainly pulled elements from them and i think that you know if you watch behind the scenes almost every movie they're like in doubt if you're in doubt you go back to fleming and they pull ideas constantly Mm -hmm. um but some of these core things of what it's about and who this character is, like very quickly in the in the 60s, there's the Bond craze and he becomes the the super spy with the gadgets. And James Bond is almost a superhero. And so something is sort of um, grounded as I, I'm a kind of in the books. He's a pedantic middle aged British man who is dead certain that he knows the exact temperature of filet mignon should be cooked at. And he's going to have one any damn time he wants because he might die tomorrow. And that motivation gets stripped away, and it just becomes a joke that he's just this guy who likes fancy stuff and is good at it. And like the the one like the farthest end of that evolution, in a view to a kill, there's the like he's he's hiding out. Uh, you know, it's Roger Moore at that point. You know, even to Roger Moore's uh, opinion, getting a little old, a little long in the tooth, as he said, to be playing the <laughs> character. And he, you know, he's hiding out in a house with this uh, much younger woman. And he's like, well, I guess we should make something for dinner. And then, like, cut to, I made a quiche. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, like, this fun joke of, like, 
well, that's what James Bond would make. And it's totally disconnected mm-hmm. from any real world motivation. It's just he's the joke of the tuxedo, the tuxedo guy who likes nice things. Yeah. Do you think if that more pedantic side were um, conveyed in the films that Bond would be as likable? Or do you feel like that's something that they felt like um, they needed to strip away because they wanted to show this debonair dashing spy, not this pedantic, I must have it my way, I'm going to argue with all the bartenders. I think the movies just kind of naturally evolved that way. I think Mm -hmm. they're doing their best to do, you know, an adaptation of Dr. No. And, and, you know, Sean Connery's on record about kind of like, well, I I tried to throw in some of these kind of quips and they really took off. And by the time they get to Goldfinger, um, like the gadgets, quote unquote gadgets and from Rush With Love, you know, are they're not over the top at all. And, you know, and some of them are directly from the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a boot with a knife. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the level of Ian Fleming going like, what's r- close to real, but maybe just a slight exaggeration of reality. I mean, we we're talking about like Fleming, you know, was involved in Secret Service. and He was aware of people with like poisoned umbrella tips, you know, mm-hmm. riding bicycles by people. And like when you think about it that way from that uh, World War Two Cold War perspective, eh, somebody pretending to be a maid with a poison knife in her shoe is only a little over the top. But then you start getting to, you know, the the super over the top of, you know, laser watches and all that uh, mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And I, I don't, I don't, it feels like the character just drifted in that direction and became super popular. Mm. Interesting. But. But not necessarily a choice from the beginning. Yeah. I, I don't think it was necessarily a choice to be like, that's, uh, I don't know, I, I, I maybe it's my modern filter mm-hmm. that it's funny to read because James Bond is the sexiest, most knowledgeable, most exciting, dangerous man. And you, you, you live with that and then you open the book and he's like fussy mm-hmm. because uh, that kind of prune doesn't go with this coffee, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> or, the you know, these secrets need to be made in this country. Like it's he, he starts to strike you. Uh, as the kind of guy who would you would invite dangerous, sexy James Bond to your house, and he wouldn't blow anything up. He'd just be really on you about the settings on your television to make sure they were absolutely perfect. Yeah, like, that, that that he's that kind. Of, he's the guy who would like, you know, corner you and explain why you absolutely cannot have the, you know the smoothing effect on your television. Which I don't, I'm right. not a fan of the smoothing, <laughs> but but he is that level of just. I'm a middle-aged British man, and I know the way things are should be to be the absolute best and to be to my taste. Yeah, and that kind that flavor of pedantic mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily go with the James Bond, like in Die Another Day, when he's given the the manual to his new car, and you know he throws it up in the air so the machine guns blow it up, and he goes, "I don't need a manual." Mm-hmm. The 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 James Bond in those books would, you know, he'd maybe get a little bit bored, but he would want to know about that manual and he would you know he would pencil in some corrections interesting because it also makes sense that like that that type of character of you know you know what you want you know what you like and you're not afraid to say that so you're gonna say you know yes i know this you know Vouvray is supposed to be served chilled, but I want it room temperature because that's what I want. I mean, maybe that's a bad example, but like, but I feel like there, it also does work with the James Bond that is created in the movies because there is that sense of 
the power of knowing what he wants. Yes. So knowing what he wants is maybe a little bit more of a, not power in a bad way, but just kind of power and confidence and that exuding James Bondness. Yes. And they share a worldliness, right? Yeah. Because he will be like, this is a terrible example too, but like, you know, I, I was in Bombay and I had, you know, uh, room temperature vouvray with salmon and it's uh, amazing there so I'll bring that to other people that's a mm-hmm. terrible culinary example but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean yeah 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 so, I started us down the room temperature vouvray don't worry <laughs> I won't serve room temperature vouvray yeah so chill it properly the, they're the these elements agree and I think Casino Royale is fascinating uh, because a lot of it is attempts to let's reclaim literary bond it's you know based on the first bond novel mm-hmm. um and totally update it. And, and I think that's Casino Royale is very concerned with what Bond's motivation is and gets much closer to the novels of want, Bond wants to prove himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bond is, is, he doesn't want to see people die, but it's, it, it's not that he's just so insanely patriotic. It's, you know, he, he realizes it's a rough, awful life and he is motivated it's his job and he does it because he's British and stiff upper lip and, and he doesn't, you know, he's got a little bit of um, darkness to him and all that, mm-hmm. where he realizes like, this is a horrible job and, you know, but uh, this is what I'm doing. But when he gets really motivated is when he is challenged by one of the villains who think that they are better than him. And there's so many if Fleming novels where he kind of admires the brilliance of the villain but kind of in almost a sort of a battle of wills does not want to be dominated by them. Mm, mm-hmm. And so like Casino Royale is really concerned with getting down to those kind of motivations. And I think ties some of that pedanticness to that. Mm, yeah. Like the way he uh, like even like the, the ordering of the Vesper is a tactic. The creation of the Vesper is right. a is a tactic to distract everybody from the game mm-hmm. and to. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and even even, you know, when there's a little bit flavor of that when he wins the game, he wants to have caviar. Right. Because it is the I want the expensive, you know, live in the high life mm-hmm. food because mm-hmm. I won. Right. And in the way he's eating it, you sense that like he's celebrating. <laughs> right. Right. Because he knew this might have gone the other way. I mean, very literally, since he did nearly die in the middle of the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was he was uh, you know, technically dead a very short time before eating caviar. Yeah. That's the James Bond lifestyle. Right. One minute you're dead. The next minute you're eating caviar. <laughs> um, so for yourself, what I, I understand you just saw a little bit here and there. But what do you think you made you go oh i'm i'm interested in checking out more i'm okay with checking out more i kind of like that james bond thing was it the adventure the sort of the, the globe trotting style what was um, it oh i would say uh, you gadgets? know kind of, <laughs> honestly a combination of of all of that i i think there is i think i had a, also a little bit of the sense of well this is culturally around so i want to have seen it which I I don't get about everything that's culturally around, but it was one that spoke to me enough um, and seemed enough up my alley. And, um, you know, they go to different places. You get to see different stories. I've always been a fan of different sorts of kind of um, spy novels. Mm. So I think that that's like I would didn't watch a lot of it, um, but I, you know, watched old Mission Impossible was a big thing that my dad okay. and I would watch. So kind of anything that was in the spy genre, 
already had an in with me. So, so you like the intrigue, right? Because mm-hmm. you read a lot of detective novels that that function like are, that are series that have a detective that you know, and and Bond is is not in that. He kind of has a little bit of a foot in that mold. Because a lot of the movies are set up as Bond goes in and tries to figure out what's going on. Most yeah. movies, he just insults somebody and blows something up. <laughs> and it, yeah. And it quickly becomes obvious. But there are movies where he does actual more espionage. Yeah. Yeah. And I do like the espionage ones. I think that's why some of the things that stick with me, like the, honestly, the going down the slope on a cello case of like, you've got to be, uh, use what you have in the moment and get away. Mm. You know, like I, I like that feeling of um, self-reliance. But also things like the the pen, you need to count how many times you clicked it and things like that. I think I just liked yeah. um, in, in the pen and goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the grenade l- let me help you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I th- actually I think that's I mean, I do not read a lot of. Um, you know, explosion, shoot 'em up, spy novels. Um, but I think that was honestly one of my in- one of my main intrigues was okay. This is uh, I like this direction, especially when I was younger. I was really liked the idea of gadgets. Yeah, um, you know, like things like Tomorrowland at Disney were like what? Like the Jetsons? I want to live in that world. Like gadgets were a a passion yeah. of mine at least to see in media and then and then you get to travel and i love seeing different places and learning about different places and whether or not it's accurate but um yeah so i think those are kind of uh and then i've always had either friends or family members um including you as my friend <laughs> <laughs> and partner who are also interested in it so it's always been a thing that you know, it isn't like, oh, I have to leave um, and go do something separately from all of my friends now because nobody else wants to be part of this. It has always been something it's always where... been a friend and family celebration. Yeah. Or at least has that option. Yeah. OK, that makes a ton of sense. That's all really insightful stuff that I certainly knew about. Like it, it, it's it can be if you want to use James Bond, he's a great uh, jumping off point to learn the truth of places he goes and. You know, were they actually filmed there? And does that place actually look like that? And mm-hmm. is, is that socioeconomic um, portrait, you know, totally crazy? Or is it realistic? Like with Living Daylights, like, whoops, we accidentally wrote the Iron Contra affair. We didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. We just wrote what happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, the Bond moments uh, or the Bond moves, which is how they're often described in video games okay. of the what is a clever, resourceful thing? How can you use your environment? Yeah. Like, uh, there's like one of many video games where like you can find, you'll notice like, oh, there's that pipe above those guys. I'll shoot that and it'll fall on them. And mm-hmm. my dad is like, damn, you did a Bond move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I l- that's, that that makes me very happy that you respond to those because I so love those in storytelling where you're seeing not just, oh, Bond is faster and stronger, so he beats them up, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. But I love the moments where he looks around and uses the environment and is smarter, not just faster and more brutal, but smarter and more mm-hmm. resourceful than the people he's fighting. Yeah, and quicker. And quicker. Because often it's about who can think of the thing fastest. Yeah, yeah, and I love those moments. So that, mm-hmm. that's exciting for me. Um, I wanted to share about my own love of James Bond because mm-hmm. it is, again, a thing that, like, on one hand i'm like yeah i love james bond i want to talk to everybody about it but i also want to be aware that there's a lot of problematic parts um so for me reading those books as a kid yeah obviously it was it was just a lot of um 
wondering about adult stuff. I mean, those books are full of sex and death and being able to read those as a little kid and get a peek into what is all that about, you know, and there's certainly a ton of stuff I didn't under understand. Um, but more like the sort of geopolitical stuff, you know, of, of the time. Um, so there was that there's the, like just the, the excitement of the action and the intrigue and the violence in the, in the sex. Uh, but I think the big fascination when I really try to track it down is James Bond is the fantasy of being utterly competent. Mm. And as somebody who grew up very stereotypically nerdy of like literally like I don't know how to do things. I'm not good at sports. Uh, sometimes when I want to impress people, I accidentally uh, push on the pull door or like. Everybody else can, you know, easily blow a, a, a big bubble with the gum and I don't chew gum off and then can't figure out how to make the bubble and everybody's looking at me and like, and I think like just some of those just basic, like I've made a lot of jokes about it mm-hmm. over the years and they haven't always landed. And I think it's maybe because it's something kind of personal for me of like James Bond is the fantasy of a guy who never struggles with the door. <laughs> like that's, that's the fantasy of just like, God, what if you walked into any room and you, there was never a, you know, what greeting do you I use? There was never a, where do I, you know, hang up my coat for etiquette? There was never a, I don't know what to order on this menu because I've never been here. Like, you know, like the first time I went to Chipotle, I was like, how does this line work? I'm going to screw this up and make an ass of myself. And James <laughs> Bond is the fantasy of a guy who, who would be extremely competent working <laughs> just walking into Chipotle the first time. <laughs> I think that's actually a great description. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a thing that, that has tracked throughout uh, mm-hmm. the, the various storytelling with him, whether it's a story of uh, of charm or like he is actually, you know, successful and knowledgeable. And like in, in the books, he does he 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 does a lot of homework in the books. OK. Like he is a naturally good shot. That's it, he's worked at it and he's a good shot. Uh, and he's been, you know trained in various martial arts. Uh, but other than that, like every time he gets on an assignment, it's like, oh, here's the mound of homework after the use. <laughs> I got a scuba. Huh? I better get a teacher. Like he's not the like, I know how to do everything. Don't okay. even get like. Yeah. Uh, so I think in the books, there's a little bit more of like, if you do the homework, you could learn like that this is collected knowledge. Right. Rather than he it's in like some of the movies where he is just like, I am the competence god. Right. Anything you've ever like, oh, yeah, like they really make the joke in Roger Moore. And, and I think if you just enjoy that, it's pleasurable. It's funny and interesting that Roger Moore is like, oh, yeah, I'm also an expert on horticulture. Yeah, because I'm just an expert about everything. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just there. Yeah. I just have the knowledge. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah. I'm just I'm I'm smooth, charming Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to ever see me reading a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Casino Royale because yeah. I think part of uh, if I may, our uh, bond bond is the fact that uh, our wedding anniversary is uh, the release date of Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of solidified it, I think, for for us as part of our um, part of our relationship, part of our <laughs> part of our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> do you um, do you remember what I wanted to do that you talked me out of? 
I believe after the wedding you wanted to go see a midnight showing of Casino Royale. No, the night before the, the night wedding before. is yes. what I wanted. And you, I'm so glad that you talked me out of it. Yeah, I think I was worried, not that you, but that um, some friends would try to encourage a midnight showing. And I was like, no. <laughs> No, there there really weren't a lot of things that I had really strong opinions about, I will say, with our wedding. But that was one of them. Well, our, I think that we worked together really well on our wedding. I think we did, very, too. I'm, I'm really happy with our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Good. Me, too. But we did do, we had um, some, some James Bond remix music, and we did a little uh, fashion show of yeah. all of the people who were in our wedding. Yeah, well, if I may elaborate yeah, on that for a moment. So at the time, there's... Um, there's a musical group that is called Bond, and um, it's kind of an electro remix of um, uh, chamber music. It's like, a, I can't remember if it's a trio or a quartet, a string trio or a quartet, but it's all kind of electronic remix. And at the time, I had been um, working on a bunch of shows and fashion shows and things like that. And so I'd use, you know, kind of been introduced to this music from that. And so they, being called Bond, do a great remix of the Bond theme. So, yeah. so we were like, okay, this is the thing that that I had been listening to a lot that I think I introduced you to. And it's like, did. you need to listen to this with me because I'm really enjoying this music. And so it was a really fun way to combine both the the movies, this new movie, this date that happened, you know, to have all these things come at the same time and a thing that I was very interested in at the time. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, so that was a really great celebration. Um, the uh, Obviously, almost including uh, we have all the time in the world in the wedding. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was uh, it was uh, a temptation to go to the uh, the midnight showing. But then you're like, that would bother me. And I was like, OK, that's very good to know. I won't do that. And then as a, a very fun and wonderful thing. So we got married. And then the next day we got up and we had a wonderful breakfast with some people who were in the wedding. And then before we left for our honeymoon, we went and saw Casino Royale in the mm-hmm. afternoon with a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. And I have this wonderful memory. I was so excited for this movie. Uh, we were holding hands, which is very nice. And uh, sometimes when something surprising happens, uh, I already knew that you would squeeze my hand. Mm-hmm. But watching Casino Royale was the first time that you squeezed my hand with your wedding ring on. <laughs> <laughs> and I I got that sudden, ah! <laughs> and there was pain. <laughs> there, was, there was pain, but it's such a wonderful memory, and I think about it every time I watch Casino Royale. <laughs> well, I'll make sure I squeeze your hand next time we watch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, I had wanted to talk about some of the stuff from the books, but we, we kind of did uh, uh, go through it a lot. Uh, we talked a little bit about him being a fussy middle-aged guy. You asked me about that, but I want to ask you, would you like to see more of that in a James Bond movie? Would you want to see, uh, not even as a joke, but somebody who is very, very particular? Do you think that would work for you? Not not somebody who is knowledgeable to show how classy and worldly they and cool they are, but somebody who's just like, I really, really do actually care that this salmon is done with this exact glaze or it won't fulfill me as much. Mm -hmm. Probably not. Um, I I just I feel like that's a really difficult thing to pull (laughs) off in a movie and not have you get annoyed at that person. Yeah. And you we can't be annoyed with James Bond. Right. I feel like there may be like in Casino Royale as you know, it's a little bit of. The, there's some reboot elements to it. You see um, Bond when he doesn't, ha- you know, he's kind of 
in a different place, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more uh, reserved, more yeah. removed, a little bit colder. I feel like that it would have worked when he was at the Ocean Club in the Bahamas and been like, I'm going to send back this filet mignon because it's the wrong temperature. Um, (laughs) No, that's that's perfect. Is that how meat works? (laughs) Um, But I feel like in general. This gadget is a a watch (laughs) slash meat thermometer. You know, it would be great is if it were like a little creme brulee torch that is something what, but not. Shoe. Well, that'd be awkward because what I'm going for, I mean, that'd be really cool. I love it. If then he'd have to pull it out because then like if something isn't quite cooked enough, he can like stick it into the salmon and like warm it just a little bit more. And, well, and then he could have like an ice pick in the other one. So if it's a little bit too warm, he can just like shh. Yeah, Freeze it. I, this isn't how cooking actually works, but it'd be really cool if it, like, if it in the James Bond world worked. Yeah. So yeah, if he had gadgets, then I guess I'm more into it. Okay. But if it's just him being persnickety at waiters, I feel like he, uh, James Bond is not a, um, in general, in the movies, is not a, um, he's not a mean person or a like or a demeaning person. So I feel like. If he wants things a certain way, he's going to make sure that he talks to the chef. Yeah. He's not going to be the person who sends the waiter back five times. Right. I might be wrong. I haven't read the books, but I feel like, or at least for it to work in the movies, it would need to be that way of like, okay, send the chef over. Let me explain what I want. And then that'll work. Not the like, "Mm, this isn't quite right. Mm, This isn't quite right. Yeah. Because then we're just going to be like, okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, he he would do that kind of stuff in the books. He okay. he's like, the, what what amazing service here? And like, mm, this was you know unfortunate service. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that the James Bond in the books would write some Yelp reviews. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't. F- I think I don't need that. In my what head. if? So like, I, I should have brought this up earlier. The the famous as you referenced at the beginning of this podcast, the the shaken not stirred. Yeah, uh, that is a whole growth of like and it's. I, you know, it's one of the many different ways that he pedantically orders something, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it it just grew into this, like, shaken, not stirred. Like, it's this really cool thing. If he if he ordered everything like that, if he was, like, filet mignon, <laughs> medium, not well. Yeah. If, like, he ordered everything like it was this signifier of being super cool and in the know. That would that would be closer to working. <laughs> okay. And I think honestly for a long time, maybe this is just me, but I doubt it, that people, I think a lot of people know of martinis from James Bond. Oh, yeah. And so they assume they are supposed to be shaken, not stirred. Like they assume that's a person giving standard direction, not a person giving weird direction. Right. Like just this was basically like beer, cold. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. it's, yeah. Beer, beer, not full of foam. <laughs> but like almost every cocktail thing I've ever read about martinis would be like, sorry, James Bond. We don't actually, that's not yeah. a thing that you need to worry about so damn much. Yeah. <laughs> Although one of these days I am going to make us vodka martinis shake and not stir just yes. so we can have tried yes. them and know and the difference. He does have a wide variety of drinks in the book. He, he, he's he got a lot of beer. He's drinking everything in the books. And I am very grateful for the re- Vesper recipe. So Vesper recipe yeah. is absolutely amazing. Which we did drink last night while watching Casino Royale. Yeah, and you make a mean Vesper. Um, So we talked a little about him being motivated to enjoy finer things because he has a very dangerous job. If you felt you had a dangerous job and you wanted to treat yourself, what kind of fancy thing fancy or expensive thing would you eat or drink 
more often because you had that feeling of, mm. well, this this could be the last meal. Wow, that's a really, really good question. Um, so my first thought, which I'll start with that and then I'll elaborate. Um, certain types of okay, I'll be I'll I'll be pedantic here. I'll be James Bond. Um, I would say sh- uh, champagne, but they're not champagne. Cremant, oh. uh, which is sparkling wine that's not from the Champagne region, uh, but is French in origin. Uh, there are a few that I really like that are from other parts of France. Um, in particular, uh, there's a few that I've had from the Loire Valley, a few I've had from the Alsace region, which I really like. Um, they can be hard to find, and I don't get the most expensive ones, but they can be more expensive. But that's the thing that I like instantly jumps to my, my mind of like, yeah, this is the thing that I like that to me is very much, this is a treat thing. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I like being with you doing wine things because I know so very little about wine. And, and it, it is a fun, um, I get to uh, observe sort of uh, in the books bond uh, in you. in your ability your knowledge of wine and Mm. your ability to share with me why you want a certain kind and what you're looking for and what you what you've you know run into in before which might be great or might be a problem and uh, and being able to like uh you know we went to one uh, wine country type uh, place the solvang Mm -hmm. and it was so great to be with you of just like i would like a white and a red (laughs) (laughs) and you're like "Mm, i got this and that is so great uh yeah for myself i feel pretty lucky well, yeah, because okay. when I was going through this, I was like, well, I'd like, I really, I've really come to love martinis. And, yeah. Uh, I think I grew up mostly because of James Bond thinking, that's like having an Aston Martin. I can't have, <laughs> <laughs> it's like having an Aston Martin and, you know, being the best shot in the world and knowing everything about the geopolitical situation at all times and lepidoptery. I can't have a martini. Like, oh, no, I, I just can't. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's been a nice discovery. <laughs> so I guess I am prepared uh, for a dangerous job. Uh, you mentioned this uh, a little bit as well. One of the things that I do think is present in the movies, uh, but has maybe been, I don't know, a, li- a little bit lost. The whole series of movies, even though they are known for the the gadgets and the the big action moments in the, in the attempts to be sexy, um, a lot of them do have like structured intrigue Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of them are invested in what is a real geopolitical plan. Yeah. And Fleming was so interested in that going from being a, a, an intelligence officer and having him really go through the mental exercise of like, well, if somebody wanted to manipulate this currency, but not be detected, how would they maybe use a resource that people aren't paying attention to, to do that mm-hmm. and what and that kind of stuff yeah you were looking so I'm excited so excited you just about love this, this topic right i do yeah i do sorry you were going for a question well i was just gonna ask you uh if you were gonna right now try to manipulate the world by some uh megalomaniacal uh, uh manipulation of a resource what would you do i mean ooh, that's a great one i think honestly that's part of why for me I I will start by backing up a second and say that, yes, I love this aspect of it. Um, and I think it's better. I, I was, I'll say as I get got older, but, you know, I mean, who am I kidding? When I was three, I was also half 30. So I think I probably always enjoyed that side of it. Um, but that's one of the reasons um, I, I like quantum, quantum of solace, I think, yes. more than most people. 
um, or more than most people that I've spoken with. And quantum of solace and dealing with the water shortage was to me the first time that I had seen um, a major movie that people were just going to not because they wanted an environmental lecture, um, but because they wanted to go see James Bond. They wanted to go see something cool. And you're getting a massive uh, not, I was going to say hit you over the head, but not hit you over the head. Very smooth, like, let's just throw this in here. People will think this is crazy and like a totally future thing like people did about Tomorrow Never Dies, about media, uh, that media could never control our <laughs> lives. Who would do that? Um, there could never be a water shortage, like be- at least from, I mean, I, I realize a lot of places have always had water shortages um, and Maybe in other, certainly in other countries and maybe in other parts of the country. I, when that um, came out, I think we still lived in Minnesota and it was, it was certainly not a thing that people were talking about as a global issue. Yeah. And it was very much a global issue. And uh, I am so beyond uh, excited to be talking about this right now. I cannot contain myself. <laughs> it's so um, great. Yeah. So I honestly, I think I would do another water one. <laughs> Or I mean, or yeah, no, I would I would certainly do something climate change related, you yeah. know, or like, um, you know, you could maybe do something with like melting polar ice caps and, you know, somebody trying to short sell, you know, land mm. and like, you know, Florida or, or, you know, all of these low lying areas along the coast that are going to be covered with water. Or what resources are we going to lose because uh, the water is going to be rising or because of these massive storms? Like, well, how is the world just going to permanently be different? Different, But for now, they've put like a secret thing up in the atmosphere that creates a sandstorm in a certain part of the world. And then it causes the currency in this other part of the world to like go through the roof. And who knew? Somebody made a lot of money. Yeah. Because that would never happen. But then to have it be like actually related to something that might happen. Yeah, man, that's so great. I I love that you nerd out about this because it's something totally. that I love thinking about. I saw a Facebook comment from somebody, I can't, some James Bond uh, discussion of somebody describing Quantum of Solace is like, is that the lame one where water is the plot? And like, to me, it's like, it's so exactly the, they, the oil is used as a distraction because the theory is that, of course, the, everybody would be after the oil, but like, right? no, it's somebody looking ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, particularly where we are right now, uh, it is a weird place to go, hey, could all of our actual world leaders be like the James Bond villains and think three steps ahead about how various dominoes might fall in what might be the most valuable, mm-hmm. the most scarce? What can we push to knock over the thing that we want to knock over? But not for profit or malice, but for good. Yeah. Can we actually just like... First, look at the geopolitical map. Look at resources. Look at how humans can and cannot be manipulated, what they're looking at, mm-hmm. and what the sleight of hand hand is doing, and actually do that for good. Right, right. For survival or yeah. humanity. Yeah. So I, that that is always going to be the one that I go to first. I mean, there's a lot of other examples that, that they go to that do involve oil. But um, but I just, I yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna go on and on about some more real world stuff, but we're gonna let <laughs> the real world go. I, you know, a, a thing that absolutely cracks me up that I, I really truly want to do as a James Bond sketch, and I'm sure there are sketches like this. Uh, but the idea that information is 
that's it, it was in Tomorrow Never Dies. It's a it's a part of Spectre, and people kind of bash Spectre for it of because it's kind of other movies are doing it, and it's kind of too on the nose. But for me, it just it absolutely does feel like the manipulation of information is the new you know uh, sort of theater of war, mm-hmm. and so the idea that you would hire James Bond. Uh, not hire James Bond would be sent on an assignment to save the world, and he would go to Ohio <laughs> and find a crappy little office park where you know gullible twenty-year-olds are tweeting their negative opinions about the Last Jedi while also hashtagging Mega, and James Bond would be like burst in. <laughs> <laughs> with his laser watch and his silenced in a Walter PPK and be like, knock it off. Right. You damn Russians. Knock it off. <laughs> it's, I will it, watch that sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's insane to me. Like, James Bond, could you unplug those nerds' computers? Which is both a joke and, and the kind of reality that Fleming was imagining. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he had served in World War II. Mm-hmm. The world was changing, and he was so interested in how is the how is the world gonna gonna change, mm-hmm. and how can we manipulate not just all of the sort of uh, power dynamics, but the perceptions and the desires of different people from yeah. different countries for different reasons. Yeah, and it I mean, in some ways, it is it's it's this puzzle, and it's who's willing to look at the puzzle from a different perspective or put together the pieces that you know everybody thinks it's gonna line up in you know in a certain way but then actually it doesn't yeah and you find out oh there's actually a different dimension to this puzzle i mean not literally but um sometimes moonraker yeah well i mean and that's the thing moonraker the actual movie is the most ridiculous james bond movie it has nothing to do with the novel die another day is based on the novel moonraker (laughs) and the actual novel moonraker is one of the kind of grittier more down-to-earth uh spoilers uh tune out for 30 seconds if you want to read the book moonraker it's the one where the 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 woman at the end was just like oh uh, i understand you felt some vibes because we were in danger but i got a boyfriend bye (laughs) bond's just like damn and her name is gala brand it's not anything sexier over the top but it is about uh somebody uh, uh pretending to be british and exploiting the british desire the western world desire to have missile defense and to be the first to have missile defense. Mm-hmm. And he's basically just like, hey, I'm I'm this wonderkin who came out of nowhere and let me build a rocket. And uh, nobody knows that I'm just going to have the rocket turn around and destroy London. But it's, yeah. it's totally predicated on that's where the world was is the next theater of war is missile defense. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I could go on and on, but we are going to move on. If you got to pick, uh, mm-hmm. well, actually, no, I do want to ask you, ask you this. Do you have hopes for the the future of James Bond, the mm. casting or the story or what you want? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I I want them to be good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry for the voice. I had to make fun of myself for a moment there. I, I mean, I'm very, I tend to be a person who I don't put a lot of expectations um, or a lot of, um, I want to be surprised and delighted by movies. 
I don't necessarily go into a movie being like, oh, I hope it tells this story or, oh, I hope it's set in this place. And I try my best to avoid spoilers um, so that I can have that joy of an earlier era of just like walk in and what is this wonder yeah um so that that's my approach that's my first thing um yeah i mean in terms of casting i'm i'm super excited for some some changes when it comes to doctor who or to doctor who sorry well that's where they did do uh some changes uh and that's what i was thinking of um but i'm super excited for some changes for for james bond and also i'm i feel like they've Started to go to go in this direction. Um, we haven't really talked a lot. We've talked a little bit about kind of some of the early, like, I walk in the room and I must have sex with you. But some of the sexism and quips and things like that to just to find a James Bond for this era yeah. to continue to do that. And this era is not the same as 2006. Yeah. Um, and I want it to keep growing just like the world keeps growing. Yeah, I think that's been one of the strange and fascinating things of the Bond films that they, uh, if you look back at them from any modern lens, they are undeniably sexist from our modern uh, modern perspective, in my opinion. But they, you, you watch the behind the scenes and they keep trying, like in their minds, like mm-hmm. certain movies are like, this woman really goes toe to toe with Bond. This one really keeps up to, with Bond. Uh, so it is interesting, even just from that perspective, to look at what what was the line where the filmmakers thought they were doing a better job, mm-hmm. and how does that define our ideas of gender at different times? When like, well, for 1977, this is a, a portrait of closer to <laughs> better. Mm-hmm. Um, so what for you? What what is that right now? Is it just treating um, is it casting a woman as Bond? Is it casting? Uh, is it is it making sure that any sort of sex or sexuality is just totally like honest and not anything about uh, domination or? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think the the domination and certainly I think for me it's also just about kind of the. I know that. None of the writing in a movie is throwaway writing, but what is kind of used as kind of the the throwaway dialogue in not truly, I'm not saying that any of it is, but kind of the, like the asides and oh, yeah. kind of in the, because I feel like that's where you get a lot of the general approach of a character or the general approach of a movie, whether honestly, whether it's Bond or other characters within the film. Um, I feel like they have done well at having more, um, female characters go toe to toe with Bond, and I would like to continue to see that uh, continue. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Daniel Craig um, yeah. has been uh, his his Bond has had more genuine relationships with women, and yes. it, there definitely have been some flings. Yeah, and or, I'm not saying, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, flings, flings are bad. Like that's <laughs> that's not at all yeah. what I'm trying to say. And I I certainly I think I just want it to be continue going in the direction where it is. And I'll I'll be very honest. I don't remember Spectre very well. Yeah. Um, or honestly, even some parts of Skyfall. Like I remember, unlike what I said before about not remembering the big action sequences, I remember the big action sequences. I don't necessarily <laughs> remember like, were there relationships? Were there people? Who were the people? Like I, I remember the um, person in Cuba. But other than that, um, I really don't remember a lot of details of them. So I look forward to rewatching them. Yeah. Um, and having new opinions about all of the things I'm saying right now. Yeah. But I think a continuation of that, 
um, you know, I'm still holding out hope for Idris Alba as Bond. So, yeah, I'd be I'd be perfectly happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. For myself, the casting, I I would be perfectly happy to see it evolve. Um, I feel like, it, and it's partially because of I'm generally a progressive person, but also just because what I care about is the character Mm -hmm. and i feel like through my own sort of examination of why do i like you know since i was 12 years old why has this been captured such a part of my imagination in both the books and the movies and why am i such a fan particularly when there's parts parts of the movies where i'm like um and i think it it goes back to the character and i want to see the movie go back to the character Mm-hmm. And I think that there are things uh, about the character that could be specific based on who ends up playing it. But there are things that are just core kind of universal truths, which make uh, the character, the concept of Bond compelling to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I really want to see the movies go. I like that uh, basically starting. Uh, well, it, it actually happens with Timothy Dalton, uh, but specifically for Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig. Almost every movie has a deep personal hook for bond himself that bond is connected to the plot in an intimate way in mm-hmm. so much of the history of bond is he gets sent on an adventure and he initially he's not out for revenge for somebody who killed you know somebody he loves he's you know maybe has a develops a relationship with somebody but it's not about i have to track down you know anyway mm-hmm. uh He's sent on a mission. He's sent on a mission, and he does the mission. And I think that's what I'm really intrigued with getting back to the core of that character, of someone who's kind of aware, I'm very good at this, I am, but I am a little conflicted about Mm -hmm. the fact that this is my life, which they play with in a lot of movies. But what really hooks the character, what really gets them moving is I have a moral core, and I want to save people. I doesn't believe in just innocent people dying out of you know wanton destruction, but that relationship with the villain, that idea mm. of you are a fascinating and impressive person, but a person who clearly has wants to inflict your will on the world, and I yeah. and I bond as a character in impressed by your will. But my motivation is I'm going to show you that my will is stronger Mm -hmm. and having the personal motivation come from I need to prove to myself that I can beat you. I I need to prove to you that my worldview of the world, but even more importantly of myself, is true Mm. and can overpower yours. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of the great moments that we like and that we talk about where, you know, Bond pushes himself uh, and is more resourceful and is more clever. All of those things are in an effort to prove like Casino Royale is very concerned with this uh, mm-hmm. idea of he wants, he, you know, how, oh, yeah. how much is he motivated by his feelings versus his ego? You know, and it, it it wrestles a lot with ego. But then there is the strong personal hook that he falls in love with Vesper. And that's what the our cultural memory of the movie is and i would love a movie where it's not about somebody he loves or 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 killed another you know double right. agent he was with and it's now it's i want it to be the beginning of the mission it's not personal it's just some horrible crap he has to do and it becomes personal yeah. because of his relationship with the villain and that the villain challenges bonds 
identity of themselves. Yeah, no, I I like that. I like that idea of the mission. I I I am on board with your idea, and I think that is one of the because I feel like, at least in more recent Bond, um, that he it's it, he gets that idea and he's not going to let it go. You know, he's it's you know like he's the phrase like he's like the dog with the bone like in Casino Royale. It's he's not going to let go of trying to figure out what happened even long before it's personal. Yeah, it's not about it being personal. It's about he wants to figure this out. Yes. And I like that. It's like, okay, you're sent on a mission. And maybe it looks like the mission is just that you're supposed to color this square gray. Yeah. But actually, the square is not a square. And when you hold it up to the light, there's invisible ink. And like, there's all these other things. And you have to figure out the rest of the mission. And then in that process, it becomes more. But I love that, that he is... I was aware of like, oh, well, I tried to color the square gray, but it, the square kept growing. What's that about? Who's making the square? Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. Who's making the square starring <laughs> James Bond? If you got to pick, what would the next movie be called? Oh, goodness. Um, well, <clears throat> so that I could remember it, um, I would choose for something that is not die another tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to say it's called, uh, <laughs> well, I just broke my own rule because my first thought was gold tooth. <laughs> I think that's fine. There's been a hench person with gold teeth. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I think, uh, I think gold teeth, uh, is great. Uh, yeah. I think for myself, I would just try to mash up the most common bond words in whether they make any sense or not. And it would just be <laughs> tomorrow gold die. Yeah. Living quantum. <laughs> Living quantum. Oh, that sounds like a great science fiction, James Bond. So we are going long on this episode because I'm very obsessed with James Bond. But I'm going to have Sarah ask me just a couple how obsessed are you questions. So, uh, Sarah, feel free to pick uh, whichever ones, three or four that jump out at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think about James Bond every day? Yes. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there are some times where I'm like, ooh, I'm really in a James Bond mood, or I'm reading a book, or I'm thinking about a, you know, ooh, maybe I should read a book. Uh, but the uh, the DVDs, I have not upgraded to Blu-ray yet, uh, which I really should, but the DVDs that I've had for many years are right by my computer. Mm. So the various actors who have played 007 are, are staring at me all the time. Mm-hmm. Does it help pressure you to work? <laughs> everything around my desk is designed <laughs> to encourage me to work yeah uh would you buy a james bond lego set sure well would you use it no you know what no i wouldn't i would look at it in the store and i would i would feel sad <laughs> what because if... i want to i we've talked about this with action figures it's yeah. just it's the space would you take it out of the box the Legos yes. out of the box. Yes. Who knows? Maybe this exists. I don't know. If there was a Lego set of Goldfinger of the laser almost uh, hitting uh, Sean Connery's crotch, mm-hmm. I would put that together in Lego form in a heartbeat. Okay. What if there were a Lego set of the ingredients for a Vesper? 
you could build a martini out of Legos? Um, sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. Okay. I should point out that the James Bond collectible I do have that I saw, and it's like, I absolutely need this because it's so absurd. And you're like, that's fine as long as you put it a place in the apartment where I can't see it all the time. <laughs> that's right. Because they, they recently put out a line of Funko Pops for uh, James Bond. And a bunch of cool ones, but I love the Funko Pops that are of not even remotely cute things. And there's the one of uh, Le Chiffre, uh, Le Chiffre uh, which fine, great. He's got the this little scar and the, the blood coming out of his eye and that, like, cool, great. Mm-hmm. But he has the rope that he uses to hit Bond in the nether regions right there in the Funko Pop. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm shaking my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hit yep. me up with a couple more. Okay. When people walk into our home, can they tell that you like James Bond? Yeah. I think because of the DVDs. You, I think the DVDs are... Well, the Doctor I, Who overwhelms James Bond. I feel like you need to pay attention to read a person's DVDs. That's true. Yeah. It might be that the Star Wars and we have a couple of superhero uh, pieces of artwork up in our apartment mm-hmm. and Star Wars, much, many much Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So you would have to look the, around because my uh, my larger collection of books is in the bedroom. Yeah, and we, we do have a paisley couch, <laughs> <laughs> which when you sit in the guest chair, you do spend a lot of time looking. Don't at. admit we have a paisley couch on our stylish James Bond episode. <laughs> I love our paisley couch. You know what? That paisley couch would fit in very very well in the movie Moonraker. <laughs> I would fit in very well in many many James Bond movies, and it has seen many James Bond movies. It has. <laughs> uh, if a presidential candidate you already supported talked a lot about James Bond, would that increase or decrease your support? Ooh, ooh. Uh, well, it is kind of a president's responsibility that the books are as successful as they are because Kennedy mentioned From Rush With Love. Oh, really? exploded the popularity. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, it depends. Like, if, if uh, I, I'm already a fan of Elizabeth Warren, but if Elizabeth Warren was like, Look, go with me on this. We need to think ahead the way James Bond villains do. Let me break it down. (laughs) (laughs) She broke ahead like, I don't want to control water resources, but just like in Quantum of Solace, we need to be aware those are a vital resource. Yeah. Like, if it was in that way, that'd be great. But if it was just a politician who's just like, man, (laughs) I love for your eyes only. Or if they're like, (laughs) I like martinis. I must be James Bond. (laughs) Yeah. It depends greatly on the uh, reason. They yeah. are referencing James Bond. Yeah. Very good. Uh, if aliens came to Earth and you were the person assigned to greet them, would you show them a James Bond movie to explain humanity? And if so, which one? Ooh, ooh. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Okay. Why not? Out of yeah. the many? Yeah. Yeah, because I do think that uh, the right James Bond movie, even Bond movies that, that I think you know aren't my favorite, a lot of them do actually, the engine of the story is about the reality of the that we do have a geopolitical landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, and I think one of the one, probably one of, I would show them one of my more favorite uh, Bond movies where it shows a little bit of the sort of inherent push pull that the Bond character has between being this sort of uh, brute force that does have a tendency towards violence versus a compassionate person who's risking their own life to save other people mm-hmm. versus wanting to enjoy all the finer things because appreciating that life is finite. There are a lot of sort of truths of the human condition mm-hmm. that you could tease out of a Bond movie, even if they're not totally explicit, that you could easily go like, now look here, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when Bond pause? is making this choice, aliens. Yeah, would you pause and give like, here, look at this. Would you give explanations or like a pre-movie PowerPoint or a post-movie <laughs> debrief? Never pre, never okay. pre. Here's what I would do. Yeah. I would ask the aliens if they would watch a James Bond film, mm-hmm. probably Casino Royale or maybe Living Daylight, and say, would you be willing to do a podcast with me <laughs> after the fact? We'll break down the themes and the ideas together. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I and then the aliens would probably that. kill me. Mm, not so nice. <laughs> or else they just go, we prefer Roger Moore. Like, damn, <laughs> should have shown you a spy who loved me. It's good, too. <laughs> okay. Would you like to make a noise to sum up your obsession? Ooh, yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, there's so much to talk about in this uh, in this topic. We didn't even talk about the music, and the music no. is a, such a huge, huge part of it. Not only the actual soundtracks, the the huge uh, famousness of the theme, uh, but the really fun thing if you're a Bond fan of like, uh, which theme do you like? And and the the artists and the music so reflecting the times as well, right? Yeah, and also the opening credits. And the opening credits, which are, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. what's so fascinating about the movie series is it's it's partially constantly, constantly evolving and partially like we're our own little thing that's, yeah, we're an action adventure movie and yeah, we're trying to relate to whatever other films came out around the same time, but we're also our own little thing that slowly developed all of these little weird quirks and, you know, sort of a visual iconography and and. We're our own thing and we're sticking with it. So it's got this great push-pull of, you know, the the utterly familiar and the, you know, really trying to be bigger, better, bolder, weirder than last time. Yeah, yeah. And always of its time, but also very much its own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the music is such a huge part of that. Yeah. Well, we'll have to do part two. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, so um, would you like to rate yourself? <laughs> I would like to rate on myself. An obsessed rating on yeah. a scale of one to ten, where would you fall? Uh, so, uh, well, I, I, the temptation is strong to be, uh, seven, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I think I'm honestly a little bit higher than that. I think, I think I'd put myself at like a a solid eight. Um, I think there are times in my life where I've been a 10. I could, I could go on and on about weird James Bond, uh, peers I've had. The video games are a huge part of this too. Yeah. I mean, the popularity of Goldeneye and I have friends who, uh, uh, we've played the video games together constantly and a few friends that i've really bonded with over being james bond fans um Mm -hmm. and sometimes i'm really uh intensely rereading the books uh and all that but i I, but i i think what holds me back is is the like i've talked about before the time management between this and other obsessions yeah (laughs) and there's still some um uh some books that i haven't gotten to some various continuation books so i'll let that hold me back to an eight i think that seems reasonable i mean it 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 doesn't matter if you've read everything or not, but I feel like it's not on your mind 100% of every day. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a big Maybe one. Maybe I'm wrong. It's up there. It's up yeah. there. And and I'm definitely feeling like I was kind of out of my mind. And like, great, that Bonds movie is going to come out eventually. I got plenty of things to watch. got plenty of things to do and think about. But now that there is no time for no time to die, <laughs> I'm so eager for it. Yeah. 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 All right. Do you have a different obsession level after talking through what what you like, what you don't like, why you like the things you like? Mm. You know, I think it really varies. When we're in a phase of watching them, I, I, I do really enjoy them and I enjoy thinking about them and I enjoy thinking, uh, having conversations about them. This has been super fun. Um, so, I, But I 
I mean, at my most obsessed, I'm probably a six. Okay. And probably on a day to day, we're not in the middle of watching anything. Um, like a, th- a three or a four. Yeah. Which isn't like, a, I mean, I don't, I feel like I feel bad saying that, but that's not a negative obsession. That's not like I'm a negative two. I feel like it's just like, yeah, it's, it's part of my life, but it's not something that I think about constantly. Yeah. Um, although I don't know, after this conversation, I might need to read one of these books. Oh, good. I would love mm-hmm. that. I would love that. Um, yeah, the the first book in particular, Casino Royale, is fascinating. Yes. Fascinating because it sets him up on his whole his whole journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, that has always been my observation that if, for you, we've had these moments of like Casino getting married on the Casino Royale date and going to see it the next day and, and it, tied up in our memories. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always been for me like something where you're like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, like it's a it's a it's a dish that you would not think necessarily to order by yourself, but when it comes up, you're like, oh yeah, I like that dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, excellent. Let's move on then to some quick plugs, and we'll wrap up with our final questions. Uh, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw, and uh, Sarah no S. Excuse me, Sarah no H. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Double Era no Crimshaw. S. <laughs> Era Tevenson Crimshaw. There we go. Your there we go. Name. Full name. Right there for you. <laughs> How about you? Do you have S's in your name? I do. Uh, yes. Uh, you can uh, find me on uh, Twitter is at Jofa Crimshaw. No, <laughs> Jofa Crimhaw. <laughs> uh, anyway, here are the uh, quick plugs for our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw, full of S's. And you can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast, also full of S's. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can support us uh, obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, here are some uh, fun final questions for you. Yeah. Which would you rather be able to shoot out of your hands, lightning or a breakfast cereal? <laughs> Ooh, um, Lightning. Yeah. Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting that. Really? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I know you, you I, I don't think I've ever seen you eat breakfast cereal. That, that's part of it. Yeah. And yeah. how would you use your lightning? Uh, for fun. <laughs> and occasionally for like helping the world or people. I was expecting for good or evil. So I was <laughs> super delighted by it for fun. They're like, okay, it's a boring night. Let's shoot some lightning into the sky. It's like, you know, fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I mean, I would, I would do a little research. I would be James Bond from the books. I would read the manual. <laughs> yeah. Find out if I'm going to, you know, like mess up the electrokinetic energy of the atmosphere layers or, you know, do something bad to the bats or the bees or something. I, I don't want to like hurt things, but <laughs> uh, if I could have some good fun. <laughs> that You sound like the most conscientious heavy metal <laughs> band ever of, is my lightning going to hurt the bats? I must research. I would be such a fun guest at a heavy metal band. Like if the venues would allow <laughs> oh, me, yeah, it might have to be like, outdoor venues. I'd be like, sure, yeah, I love this song. Lightning then in the air. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if every time you walked in a room, the James Bond theme played, would you be happy or upset about that? <laughs> you know, sometimes I really like to slide into a room unnoticed. So I think uh, my instant reaction is not so much. You do not want blaring horns? Uh, yeah. announcing you every time you walk into a room? I think not. That is totally, yeah. totally understandable. Uh, final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? But you've answered it a lot. So what do you think to James Bond is happiness? Uh-huh. 
Well, I'm going to say it is a fine meal at the right temperature (laughs) with the best gadgets in your fancy watch, eating with a person who can create good conversation or share in good conversation. It's a two-way street. And um, a lovely martini fixed just the way he wants it on that day. That is a wonderful answer. Thank you very much. That has been our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. If we can let uh, the listeners into our private car life, (laughs) another way that you and I have shared James Bond is when either of us are driving uh, and do a very simple driving maneuver, like... (laughs) Making a U-turn or or, or parallel parking. (laughs) One of us will instigate the James Bond theme theme, and the other will uh, complete it. Mm -hmm. So do you you mind doing this? Mm -hmm. I know. Okay. So pretend on a totally non-busy street, very slowly and carefully, I just did a U-turn and you would go. And I would go. I had one more question I was going to ask you. What is it? Which is the movie that has the um, the ship out in the middle of the ocean that's like a, it looks kind of like an octopus and it goes underwater and it has the person with the teeth? The Spy Who Loved Me. 